Let's go to the movies. Welcome to episode six. Today I'm going to discuss The Prom and The Little Things, both of which I watched on streaming. I watched The Prom a few weeks ago, but I hadn't really watched anything else to kind of couple with it for an episode. So I'm a little delayed in my review on that one, but I am going to bring that to you. Also, the Golden Globe nominations dropped this week, so I'm going to discuss some of those tie-ins to these movies that I'm going to be reviewing. But also keep an eye out because I'm going to be dropping an episode focused just on those nominations probably this week as well. So give you a little double episode this week to get caught up on some things. We are going to get right into our first review today, The Prom, which of course was released on Netflix. It currently has a score of 56% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it was directed by Ryan Murphy. So the general plot, if you are not familiar with this movie yet, it follows a high school teenager who wants to take her girlfriend to the prom, but the PTA won't allow it. And then a group of Broadway stars who are trying to clean up their images come to town to help get her to the prom. And it is a musical, so just be mindful of that going into it. If you're not a fan of musicals, it is one where they're pretty much singing the whole time. Uh, Ryan Murphy, of course, we all know him and all the stuff he's done, but some of the direct stuff that he's actually directed himself in terms of film include Running With Scissors, Pretty Slash Handsome, which is a TV movie, Eat, Pray, Love, The Normal Heart, which is another TV movie, and Open, which is another TV movie. And I guess the rest of what he really focuses on is producing and creating content. So this is actually, I didn't realize that he even directed two of these really notable films, and then the rest has been just TV things. And so The Prom is actually his first movie that he's done for Netflix under his big Netflix deal with the show Hollywood being his first show. This is going to be his first film. So a decent start to that whole deal with Netflix. Um, No, this movie did get a very, very, very limited theatrical release. Uh, Netflix actually is one of the streaming sites that makes a point to drop some of their more notable films into a theater for a week or two just to kind of give it that credibility for award season. Now, of course, this year is a little wacky, so they aren't using that guideline as stringently as they usually do, but Netflix still did put this one in the theater. Um... I did see it was playing at like one theater in Atlanta, Midtown Art Cinema, for a few weekends. And I only think I noticed it so prominently because it was like one of the only movies actually out at the time. So going into this movie, I had heard mixed things about it, but I do enjoy Ryan Murphy and I do enjoy musicals and Broadway. So I was intrigued and I kind of wanted to give it a chance um, just for myself. I don't like to be too swayed by what everyone else is saying. But I had very little knowledge of the backstory. Like, as I said, I knew it was a Broadway show, but I didn't really know the history of it. So when I looked into that a little further, I learned that it was actually a show that premiered in Atlanta in 2016. Had no idea. Kind of shameful since I live in Atlanta. Uh, And then it moved to Broadway two years later in 2018. A friend of mine mentioned that a lot of shows get their start in Atlanta before they hit the big time in Broadway. So I thought that was kind of interesting 
uh, and a new aspect of musical theater that I can kind of pay more attention to once things kind of get back to normal. So this is a very, very new show in that regard. And it is actually based on a true story from 2010 in Mississippi, um, like the actual story of not being able to get to the prom. And then there is a national tour that is expected in February 2021, which I don't know if that's still completely accurate due to the pandemic, but the fact that it is trying to take a national tour at some point, it probably will get some traction in the next year or so, especially since the movie came out. And it was also nominated for several Tony Awards in 2019. So this does have a pretty notable and reputable um, image. People do kind of know about it. It's, I guess, one of the more like youthful shows that is currently out. Now, I am not the biggest theater person. I don't follow it exclusively. Like, I do like going to the shows, and I like keeping up with, like, what's popular. But I'm not really too in the know on all the different stars and people that direct these shows and things like that. So I was kind of intrigued by the idea of seeing this show for the very first time as a movie, um, just to kind of see how it came across to me. I think I honestly, though, would have enjoyed it better on the stage after having viewed it, because it does have a very approachable vibe to it. And I think it would have been really entertaining to see it on the stage. Um, Because something I did note when I was watching it was kind of, it felt very much like, hey, this is a musical. It was very kind of in your face that it was a musical. It was like, if you had no idea what you were watching, you would know it was an actual stage musical. Like it didn't try to pretend that it was a more of a movie and less of a musical. And what I mean by that is kind of like how when you see Chicago, you know like, okay, I know that that's a movie, but dang, that is, or I'm sorry, you when you watch Chicago, you're like, oh, I know this is a stage musical, it's on Broadway, but then you're like, dang, this is a great movie. It kind of just stands up on its own as a great movie. So that's kind of my thinking on that and kind of the difference in how I saw this. Um... And from that point of view, I felt like the plot was very, very thin. And I think that is mostly because it does come across more as heavy on the music as part of the narrative. Everything from the stage side of the story, the Broadway aspect, felt very satirical, like right from the start. And I honestly wasn't even sure at first if it was supposed to be satirical, but... I realized going through the movie that it it had to be because otherwise it would have just been way too short-sighted of Ryan Murphy to portray these people like this. And I know he is one for satire and kind of representing these types of things in almost stereotypical ways. So it made sense once I realized that it was supposed to be kind of a satire um, because it's very in your face that it is. And noting that the satire kind of more is with the Broadway stars, less so with the high school storyline, because that's just kind of sadly what a lot of high schools and attitudes are still like. So that was just kind of a genuine portrayal of that, I felt. Um, 
it did, not going to lie, despite the satire being so prominent, it almost felt a little annoying at times because you honestly were like, okay, we get it. They're Broadway people. They're over the top. They're really self-centered. Like, we get it. <laughs> the As I mentioned, though, the high school storyline was more endearing. And it was uh, really fun to see Keegan-Michael Key and Carrie Washington in that side of the storytelling and in those different kinds of roles where they got to sing and be kind of over the top. Overall, the acting was decent. I know there were a lot of notable people in this movie, which was kind of the draw towards it. So as I mentioned, Keegan-Michael Key, Carrie Washington, two that I enjoyed seeing. Nicole Kidman was my other favorite because you could just tell she was having fun and it was kind of a different role for her. Andrew Reynolds was great, as always. I enjoy watching him. I think it'd be cool to actually see him on a stage show because he's just got that good presence. Uh, Meryl Streep honestly kind of annoyed me in this movie. Like, you want to like it because it's Meryl, but her character arc seemed very lacking, and it seemed like she never really learned anything. Like, when she, at the end, when they're all putting their credit cards down to, like, pay for the final prom, she's, like, very begrudgingly helping to do that. Like, she is, and she's, like, blaming the high school girl for her losing her house in the Hamptons. And it just kind of seemed like at that point in the story, she would have at least been like, okay, I'm still here for a bigger reason. Here's my credit card, but... Her her resistance still to everything going on kind of bugged me and kind of made me annoyed with that character. Um, so obviously there is a ton of criticism that's been going around for James Corden. Mostly that he's a straight man being cast to play a gay man and that his portrayal of a gay man is very stereotypical and a little ignorant towards that type of character. And I understand that perspective completely. Um, And I only disagree in one aspect of it, which is that literally every character that was portrayed from the Broadway group of people was super stereotypical. And I think that was part of the satire. So I don't think it was the intention was supposed to be that it was offensive or that it was intentionally being stereotyped. I think that was supposed to just be part of the way that all of those characters were being portrayed in general. And if you disagree with me, I completely understand, but that's just kind of my perspective. And I also think that my thinking initially after I watched the movie in its entirety wasn't even that, oh, they should have hired a gay actor. It literally was just that they should have hired a good actor because I did not think he was good at all in this movie. Like, it really just felt like, well, he's clearly acting. Like, you know, when you can tell someone's, like, reading their lines or something that they memorize that they're reading back to you. Like, that's fully how it felt. And it was really almost awkward just having to sit through that. And so I just think that was what stood out for me more for him I just did not care for his character like at all as big of a role as his character was especially I think it could have been casted much better because they wanted you to be able to empathize with him and you were supposed to feel like excited when the main character Emma which I think her name was Emma if I it's not that I'm apologizing now the main high school girl when she like invites him to come to the final prom like it's supposed to be this really like amazing moment like he finally gets to experience prom as well but I feel like it never really 
gets to that point. And I think a lot of it has to do with the acting. And I'll just go ahead and talk about this while we're on the topic. So James Corden did get nominated for a Golden Globe for this movie for Best Supporting Actor. And I think that that makes absolutely no sense because I think he genuinely was the worst person in this movie from an acting perspective. And I think it's kind of an insult to all the other performances that could have been nominated from other films this year. And so I think that that, there's got to be some other motive behind nominating him there because they had to have known there was controversy when something, and it's not good controversy. It's like, like he's not good and people know it and they're just calling him on it. So I read an article that was saying that they, Hollywood Foreign Press um, nominated him to kind of just keep him in their good graces because they're trying to get him to host in like the next year or so. And I think if that is the reasoning behind his nomination, that's kind of depressing. But that was honestly one of the most frustrating nominations that I saw come out yesterday. Yesterday was when the Globe nominations were released in the context of this episode being released. Um, so yeah, that was that, and I just, I wouldn't want to watch James Corden ever again in that movie, so, I mean, he's not going to win, but it, just the fact that he's nominated for that role is just very confusing, but well, I guess what can you do? Um, moving aside from the acting, kind of cooled down from the James Corden rant, uh, I really actually enjoyed the music in this movie. I thought it was really well-crafted and it was really catchy. And especially when you aren't familiar with a show, you're not familiar with any of the songs, you want something that does kind of catch your attention and I thought they did well with that. I thought the song Unruly Heart was beautiful. Very moving moment in how they shot that scene. And it would have been really cool to see how they do that song on the stage um, I could kind of see it being similar to how they shot it with the rotating shot around her. And yeah, I just think it would have been kind of cool to see the stage production take on that. Uh, but yeah, overall, this movie does have a very uplifting, positive message. And it is a lot of fun to watch just because of that. You're not left feeling too heavy or sad everything kind of ends on a nice positive note. Um, it just, it felt very bright and very big, very colorful, a lot of glitter from the, uh, the Broadway stars and their wardrobes. Um, but yeah, as I mentioned at the beginning of this review, this was his first movie under this Netflix deal. So I think it is a pretty decent start to get that all moving forward. And, you know, very diverse and forward-thinking and just a fun watch. So if you are looking for something a little lighter, something more in that musical realm, give this one a go. I don't think it's too disappointing. Just kind of put James Corden out of your mind as you watch it. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I don't actually think it got nominated for anything else, which... I Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I think it might have got nominated for... The best picture comedy slash musical, which, yeah, my mistake, it did get nominated for that. And that makes sense because um, it was obviously a musical and 
Hollywood eats this type of stuff up when it's straight up like a musical. They'll always nominate it. So that made complete sense to me. Um, and you already know how I feel about James Corden. So we are going to just leave it at that. But definitely check out The Prom if you want something just kind of fun to watch. And I'm going to be moving right into my next movie for today's episode, which is The Little Things, which was released on HBO Max on January 29th, uh, part of the simultaneous streaming and theater release that Warner Brothers is doing. So I actually did see this one streaming, not in the theater. This movie currently has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 48%, and it was directed by John Lee Hancock, who also wrote the screenplay. Now, John Lee Hancock has directed a few movies that are fairly notable, including The Founder, Saving Mr. Banks, The Blind Side, and The Rookie, which is also interesting since this is kind of more of a dark crime thriller and then kind of looking at his past resume. And we'll get into it in just a little bit about the process it took to get this project made, but it kind of just feels like this was something that he really wanted to do, maybe a passion project or just something he had a high interest in. There had to be something kind of there, which we'll talk about shortly. Uh, But the plot, for anyone that has not really heard much about it, and bear with me as it was kind of hard for me to think of a really generic plot line to describe this film. Um, So it's about a former Los Angeles investigator who is played by Denzel Washington. He returns to Los Angeles to wrap up a case that he left behind many years ago, many months ago. Kind of hazy on that timeline. Meanwhile, the current investigator, Rami Malek, is working on solving a series of murders, which Denzel kind of gets sucked into helping him kind of figure out what's going on here. And that's kind of the best I got with the plot on this one. Um, it does have one Golden Globe nomination with, for Jared Leto for Supporting Actor, which we will discuss a little more in just a few minutes. As I mentioned, it was released to HBO Max. So I had been hearing really great things about this movie going into it. And I saw the trailer actually in the theater when I went and saw Promising Young Woman. And that was actually the first time I really heard about it. And I was really drawn into the cast because it was Denzel Washington, Rami Malek, and Jared Leto. Great Oscar-winning group there. And so plot line aside, I was like, yeah, I'll check it out because I like all those people. And as I was mentioning at the beginning of this review, it does have a very interesting production history. So the screenplay was actually originally written in 1993 by John Lee Hancock. And he wrote it for Steven Spielberg to direct. Steven Spielberg passed on it because he thought it was way too dark. Uh, it was also brought to Clint Eastwood, Warren Beatty, and Danny DeVito at, at some point in time, who were all attached to it before ultimately Hancock pulled out of all those deals and decided to just take the lead himself and kind of direct it himself. So this has been like a 30 years in the making type of thing. And then that kind of makes you wonder, did anybody ever see the potential in it? Like Spielberg obviously thought it was too dark. Did the other people think it was too dark? Like kind of what's going on there? Or did Hancock really just want to make sure it was in the right hands and he ultimately felt like that couldn't be trusted by anyone but himself. I think that's kind of an interesting 
amount of time to get a movie put into production. The film was finally started filming in late 2019. And then it was delayed, of course, because of 2020. But it, um, as of this episode, it was the most watched item on HBO Max when it was released. So kind of leads me to believe that it would have had a pretty decent box office run if it had been released under normal circumstances. So my initial reaction when I watched this was I honestly don't know if I liked it. I still kind of don't know if I like it. I honestly didn't really understand the overall point that they were trying to make from the plot and from the, the story arc. And I kind of felt unsatisfied with the ending. And... I think that was kind of an interesting reaction that I wasn't expecting to have. Um, The acting, of course, was excellent, as I mentioned, with the three Oscar winners. And Jared Leto was so creepy. It was kind of haunting. Like, I could have watched him play this character just for an entire movie. It was just, he was so well acted. So that Golden Globe, of course, feels very deserving, or the nomination, I mean. Um, I was having this discussion with a friend last night via text message about his acting style and how we feel like he's becoming one of those actors where no matter what he does, it's just kind of like he's a shoo-in to get a nomination because everything he does is always really top-notch and really, really vastly different from the last thing he did. So that's kind of interesting that he's becoming one of those types of people where you see that he is nominated and you're not even like, for what? Or, you know, you're just like, oh, yeah, of course, Jared Leto is nominated. And, of course, I want to see it. And it's kind of cool just to kind of see that progression in his career. And also kind of nice to see him bounce back from Suicide Squad because all that anger that he had surrounding all of that. Um, But I do think this character was super creepy and pretty well deserved so it'll be kind of interesting to see where that falls with um like if he might win um the cinematography overall I felt was kind of gritty it uh the lighting was something I kind of noticed and like the color palettes so when they were like out working on the cases it was really dark and drab and versus when, like, Rami Malek's character was home with his family, it was very bright and clean and just had, like, a nice, normal feeling to it. And it was an interesting contrast, I thought, to their line of work and kind of that home-life balance and how it just feels like a totally different atmosphere. Um, the music was great, kind of added to this contrast and and cinematography it was done by Thomas Newman it had a very kind of like haunting mysterious almost mischievous sound to it and I really enjoyed it like I could have just listened to the soundtrack alone and I thought it was really um really well done I felt very caught up in paying attention to quote-unquote the little things which is kind of what they're emphasizing in this whole movie obviously with the title Denzel's character mentions it several times. So you're kind of led to feel like you need to be paying attention to those things. So right off the bat, like the license plate on the car in the very first scene, I was like, ooh, got to remember that license plate since they lingered on it. And it's going to come back somehow. And then 
uh, another example, like the the beer, the type of beer they were drinking, the color of the barrette that they showed on the girl's head, which did come back into the story. Uh, the part where they were talking about how they bit into the pizza like they were on the East Coast. And just these small things that they kind of made an emphasis on lingering shot on it or kind of mentioning it. And I was expecting all of those things to kind of tie up in some way. And it never did. And it was a, I don't know if that was the intention or if I was just being conditioned as a viewer to expect that that was going to happen. But it felt like a huge misdirect. And I think that played into part of why I don't know if I like this movie or not. Like I was mentioning with the first scene with that license plate, that never came back into play. So after watching the whole movie, that opening scene kind of feels pointless to me. Like, I don't know why you even had to include that. Because you do see that girl again, but even when you see her again, she's kind of brushed off as an un trustworthy witness you know like it's not even she's not even kind of given you're not given the satisfaction of seeing her be able to kind of help the case further by giving her statement like she's not really like nothing happens with it so I just don't really understand like why they did that just like I mean, things never circled back. Like you never got any kind of satisfaction of being like, that's why they showed the license plate or that's why they emphasized the type of beer that was in the fridge. Like, yeah. So you were kind of caught up on all of these little things, but yeah, it just kind of was left at that. And then it had me wondering like, did this, did that alone lead to my disappointment? Cause was I paying attention to the wrong things like should I have been focused on like the bigger things and not the littler things was figuring out who the killer was ever even the point of the movie it really didn't seem like it and I think that focusing on all these wrong aspects led to my disappointment because I really felt like the movie just ended and I wanted more from it like I I don't feel like you had a clear sense of who the killer was Now, if that wasn't the intention, that's completely fine. But even in that regard, the emphasis was kind of focused on trying to figure out who this serial killer was. And if you were supposed to be emphasizing the way that the investigators handle situations like this, I don't think you needed to show those small moments of the person in the car like hunting down these girls because that just kind of made you feel like eventually you were going to get that identity reveal and kind of get some closure. So it was kind of an interesting like one of those like I don't know if that was the intention or if I'm just over reading it or under reading it or not really taking it for what it was like I just I've been kind of weirdly struggling with how to think about this film now I did read a few articles that were saying it was uh kind of a throwback thriller so I also was thinking that maybe I'm just not familiar enough with the genre to appreciate that aspect of it and it's fully possible because typically I don't 
gravitate towards these types of movies, like this gritty crime thriller. Like, I will watch them, but it's not a genre I'm super, super familiar with. Um, after the movie ended, you do kind of realize that it is more kind of focusing on just Denzel's character helping Rami's character kind of let go of this case that he wasn't able to solve. So he doesn't derail his life like Denzel did. But as I was mentioning just a few moments ago, that's not very initially clear to me because I feel like I didn't get that kind of gratification from that plot point wrapping up until well after the film. And like I said, just kind of left me wanting more. Um, My friend who I watched this with was very, very angry (laughs) with the whole movie because she loves these true crime thriller type things. She loves Criminal Minds, that realm of productions. Um, And she felt like this was just like an elongated Criminal Minds episode. And then you had to tune in next week to kind of see what actually ends up happening. So definitely felt lacking for her but she felt like there was this weird allusion to Denzel Washington's character being the serial killer ultimately and then I had another friend mention that when she was watching it with her boyfriend that they were like wouldn't that be an interesting plot twist if he was the killer this whole time and the fact that two people on separate viewings kind of thought that kind of feels like it reiterates my point that there wasn't a clear focus on what you're supposed to be paying attention to and there is a lot of misdirection in the film so overall I just felt like the plot was a little hazy and a little uh lacking and I just kind of wanted more from it and I think that's my ultimate opinion on this is just that I was left wanting more so just I guess be mindful of that if you are going to give this one a watch It's going to be on HBO Max for a few more weeks. And as I mentioned during the review, Jared Leto is up for Golden Globe. Uh, There's a high potential he would be nominated for an Oscar as well. Um, But we will have to just see how that plays out. On my next episode, I'm going to discuss the Golden Globe nominations. So I'm going to actually release this one probably tomorrow. Uh, This is going to be a double episode week just to kind of get caught up on a lot of the things that have been going on. Um, I wanted to kind of give some of my reactions to the Golden Globes this season just because this is the first time we've had a lot of clear direction kind of on where the major movies for the award season actually are. We haven't had a chance to really feel like there is a focus since a lot of stuff hasn't been coming to theaters at all. Uh, more so than in the years past where you kind of know exactly what you should be watching right now to kind of get ready. So stay tuned for that. And then moving past that episode, we'll just keep diving into all these great movies. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode and join me as we go to the movies.